Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, tonight's guest I haven't seen in many years, but I, I guess the first time I encountered him was in, in, a cl- in a classroom, and I was his teacher, and he was my student. And now he's back to educate me in all things rockabilly. Uh, he sent me a, an email a couple months ago. I was like, hey, man, I'm in this band. I'd like to come on the show and chat about it. And I was like, sure, man. So I got the CD and uh, I listened to it in my car because that's the way I really like to listen to music is behind the wheel for some reason. I can't do the iPod thing. The album's called Come On Angels. Um, It's a band from Philadelphia. They call themselves Ameripolitan Rockabilly, which I thought was an interesting description. I was elated to have him back into my life. Uh, So please welcome Michael Stingle. And we have from the band, Mighty Joe Castro and the Gravelman, Joe Castro himself. And joining us now is Dallas. How are you, Dallas? Let's hope you can hear me. We got you. We're, we're recording live right now, and you know what? My broadcast signal says that you are coming in loud and clear. So, how is everybody this evening? Good. Good. Now. So, my first question right off the bat, I'm going to have to give it to Joe because your name's in the title, Mighty Joe Castro and the Gravamen. Can you tell me where it came from? Mighty Joe Castro is just a name that I've used for a long time as an as an artist and a musician. Uh, the Gravamen name we just it, it's a legal term for a complainer, someone who complains. Oh, so uh, we were just looking for names, and honestly, there's just no good names really left out there. So uh, so we found it. It just sort of came up as the uh, word of the day on dictionary.com, and I thought, that's a good one. Let's go with it. So I like the name. It's actually, we call it, we say Gravamen. Uh, I think the legal pre- pronunciation of it is Gravamen, but uh, we prefer to say Gravamen. This way, anytime anyone. Anyway, anytime anyone comes up to me and says, it's Gravamen, then I go, yeah, you're right. Thanks. Now I know you're a lawyer. So keep your hands out of my pocket. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I mean, like, I was just, I just went for it. I was like, it's got to be Gravamen. If they're in a band, it's Gravamen. It's got to be. You know what I mean? But sounds, It just sounds kind of cooler. You know what I mean? To be like a Gravamen. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things I feel like we can end up making our own definition for. Like, it doesn't conjure up any specific imagery you know like if we called ourselves the night terrors or something like that you know what i mean yeah that's actually a good band name i'd probably go see the night terrors how did how did you i mean i I probably i can imagine that you just stumbled upon uh the talents of stingle over there so i was his his substitute school teacher i believe for a bit i was a teacher in that school hey buddy i'm doing a podcast right now it's my son tyler everybody hey this is what happens when we're in the i know (laughs) You, if you're going to be in the room, buddy, you got to be on camera. That's the rule. You know what I mean? But anyway, Stingle was my student, and, you know, he, he stood out to me even at that age as somebody who had extreme talent. Like, I thought to myself, like, him and his brother, you know, um, he, his brother's also been on my show before, and uh, these guys just, they've got something special. So how did you first discover him, Joe? Uh, actually, Dan, our bass player, found him through Craigslist. So uh, he he just responded to an ad looking for a uh, for a slide guitar player or something like that. And Mike came in and he fit in pretty seamlessly, pretty quickly. So uh, yeah, it worked out. But no interesting story really. I mean, that's pretty much the way it is, right, Mike? Well, I kind of lied my way in really because I bought a slide guitar like a lap steel, and I really know how to play it. But I put an ad up for Craigslist like anyone need a slide guitar player i guess i'll just learn on the job and dan and i lived at the time in mount airy about 
four blocks away from one another, like unbeknownst to both of us. And it kind of just brought it to practice. And then it kind of just, I don't know, we, we really phased the slide guitar out, um, the lap seal out, and then just kind of went with regular slide. That's what's yeah. up. And then Dallas, how did, how did you um, come into the fold? Sorry, what was that? How, how did, like, first off, Dallas, can I guess what instrument you play? Drums. Oh, I was going to straight up guess it. I was going to think you did bass or drums, but yeah, I knew you were a drummer without a doubt, man. You know how I can tell? Because you got a lot of jackets. Look at them jackets back there <laughs> in your room. Yeah. <laughs> Drummers always got cool jackets, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's really a pleasure to have you guys on the show because like I said, I was listening to the tracks right now on the show at the, I'd like to give the audience a taste of what's going on. So the title track, I really like a lot. So I'm going to play it right now here on the show. This is Mighty Joe Castro and the Grava Man. Come on, angels. Really enjoy that. Um, I saw within the bio description that the 
one of the band members spells their name with the, the letter, or excuse me, the number three, Hoover. Yeah. What's up with that? That's just sort of his uh, his branding thing. I don't know if there's any good I like stuff. that. Dude. Tell him. Is he, he's not here right now, right? No. Uh, no he's looks- off branding? He's off branding right now with that? Because tell him it worked. I wrote it down on a piece of paper right here. I was like, wait yeah, a minute. That's great. <laughs> you know I mean? This has got to be something. You know? He's mysterious. He's much better. He's mysterious. You know what I mean? Like a band has to have some sort of element of mystery. Otherwise, they're just a band. You know what I mean? Um, well, I said I didn't know if he was going to show up or not. So. Well, yeah, you know what? He probably could just drop in because he sounds like the guy who just drops in sometimes. You know what I mean? Gonna, there's uh, one guy yep. it's like, he's going to come through and then he just nails the part. You know what I mean? He might just walk in the door behind you. Uh, who knows? You know? So yeah. another interesting thing that I saw, I saw this in the Bible <laughs> as well. And uh, it was in, you know, parentheses. And it was kind of like, um, I guess, foreshadowed or alluding to something. You were in a band called The Situation? Yeah. So did you get in trouble for that because of the situation? What do you mean, the uh, the actor? The, you know, the, I, the reality TV star from... Uh, yeah, no, actually... We, it was, is that why you put it in parentheses to, like, you know, be like... Yeah, no, I know, what, I know exactly what you mean. But um, that we were actually around before that. That band was from 2001 to about 2006. We broke up, and then months later, that Jersey Shore show came out of the situation was on there, so. Oh, I, thought, uh, I thought the sitch was coming to get your money, you know what I mean? No, it was funny, we just broke <laughs> broken up, so there was no point in like suing or, or anything like that, so. Uh, yeah. Kind of way. I've never sued out. anybody, I was just having a conversation with my wife about this, I'm like, I can't imagine what it feels like. It's like fighting somebody without any fists, you know what I mean? It's a very odd thing, right? It's like, yeah. come to get you, you know what I mean? It's very odd. Um, you guys described some of the, I mean, I listened also too to the four song EP that you guys put out a few years back and you were describing it as, you know, the music that would come out of Sun Records and um, a couple things with that. Like one, I think Sun Records would be a great TV show. You know what I mean? Like, they got one. they've got one. I haven't seen it, but it's out there. Is it really? Like, like a long, like miniseries. I think it's called Sun Records. And it's all about Sam Phillips and then finding... Howling Wolf, Elvis, Carl Perkins, and uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's not on there for free yet. But uh, <laughs> there, Joe, you just gave him a free advertisement right there. That was a good one. I'm going to watch it now. But you know what? I mean, like something special about that Sun Records, you know what I mean? Recording on them ribbon microphones, you know what I mean? Getting the sound yeah. in the room, in the moment, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that that moment will never be really captured unless musicians do it as a novelty. You know what I'm saying? Like now, like, yeah. oh, we're going to record real to real, man, because it's you know, vintage or whatever. Like, no, it, I just think it sounded better, to be honest with you, music. Yeah. Because well, there's, like, I think there's something good about a band recording live without a click track in the studio and sort of just feet the, the sort of feeling off each other. It's more like, I think the difference between taking a photograph of something and versus painting a picture of it, you know, and that's, those Sun Records are more like, they're just, they capture live instances. I think that's why they sort of, that, that music from that time sort of lives on because it is like a, like a, like like something that's captured rather than something that's built. But uh, when we went in to record, we recorded most of the, most of the tracks for this record uh, live to tape, except for the vocals. So everything was pretty much recorded live, and then we just went back and overdubbed vocals and like a couple little guitar stuff. So we tried to keep some of that stuff as you know that same kind of kind of vibe as much as we could with the technology that we had. But yeah. Um, speaking of setting the vibe, there really is no um, greater responsibility, in my opinion, 
in the band than the drums, to be honest with you. And Tinkle and I were talking about this uh, pre-interview. It all really comes down to the drums. You know what I mean? The drummer's not there. The band is it's, it's a mess. You know what I mean? Did you ever hear a band where, like, the drummer's just riding that cymbal to the point of, like, the brink of dawn? You're like, what are you doing, man? So, you know what I mean? Like, hammering away. Drums are so important. All the band that are, you know, I mean, even some of the great singers, I would believe that, you know, they can be tested towards their greatness because of the drummers that were behind them, you know? Who do you look to uh, look up to Dallas as a drummer? Well, I'm trying to narrow it down. The well, the first of all, first was the Stones drummer Charlie Watts. When I first was trying to teach myself to play, um, what I did basically was listen to the Stones, and I had a makeshift drum kit. And I just tried to copy him. And when I could more or less play a whole album without dropping a stick, making a mistake, then I lied my way into my first band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good, it's a good, uh, you, you, I also too learned to play drums by listening to others, you know? And uh, I didn't do that with bass or guitar, you know what I mean? It was just me in the room trying to like hammer out the, the chords, but Drums are extremely important. And Stingle, you know, I mean, I remember even way back in the day, I think you brought a guitar into school. Did I play your guitar in a classroom once? Probably. Right? I think so, right? Back in the middle school, maybe? Like, you were, when did you first start playing guitar? Uh, second grade. Right, so you were always up on it, right? You know? Yeah. And uh, there's so many different things that you can do as a guitarist. And uh, I, you know, I feel like the learning process never stops. Like, do you still engage in taking lessons and like learning Never that thing? Um, I, I, I stopped taking lessons a while ago. Um, YouTube's, YouTube's always like a great tool, but I like to, um, I just like to try to figure it out. I think you learn best by figuring it out on your own and I'm really not good at it, but that's how I grow the best. And, and, like the most lasting growth I have is when I figure it out on my own, like trying to play other people's songs. Yeah. On my own. Those are the, the kind of lessons I just try to teach myself. Mm -hmm. I still do that for sure. Single. When I was uh, in school with you as a teacher and you were a student, like YouTube was not at the height of that uh, educational tool. You know what I mean? Like now, like I changed a fuse in my Mazda 10 years ago, I would have probably killed myself. You know what I mean? But like YouTube has like, yeah. Kind of, like, you know, can be used like, you know, in a really invigorating way for, you know, educational things and not just, you know, uh, I guess entertainment. Yeah. You guys, I mean, I imagine I know the answer to this question because I miss it too. How much do you guys miss playing out? You know what I mean? Playing out in front of a whole bunch of people in a sweaty room, oh. you know, where like people are like, you want a shot? You want a shot? Yeah, I'll take a shot. I'll take a shot. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, your music really suits it too by the way i was listening to uh, the album and like i heard one song um actually you know what i'm gonna um ask to play it right now because i thought it was really uh, unique the the lyrics it's june 90 degrees by mighty joe Captain uh -huh.
see between a leash and a noose Just 90 degrees, all right From the days before it died It was fresh from the county On that Alabama night He turned a new leaf It was love at first light He found comfort in her arms In those winter afternoons And with his grandmother's ring They was married in June But jealousy burns like venom Over time with power death's just a trick of the mind
dies, a leaf reveals the truth. Colors on the days before it dies, a leaf reveals the truth. Colors on the days before it dies. Yeah, so I want to ask about that song. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's got the, the storytelling element to it. Uh, that song, to me, would be such a great song to come back for, like, the first song in the second set. Like, you creep up on them, you know what I mean? You get back up on stage, and you're like, here we go. That's kind of why I put it as the uh, first song on the second side of the vinyl. So when you flip the vinyl over, you get hit with that, you know? Oh, really, man? We're thinking of like that, dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got it. Are, yeah. You got it. Yeah, it's a good storytelling song. I really dug it. And I thought the, okay. the instrumentation was really well done on there. Um, you could tell Hoover, you know, dropped the, yeah. <laughs> the tray on him, you know? Good job. But It's a fun, uh, it's a fun one to play live, for sure. You know, you yeah, yeah, I, I really dug that song, man. I was, I was, uh, I think when I first heard, it, I was actually in the kitchen. I was listening to it through one of the Googles, and like, um, I remember it, like washing the dishes and being like, "Yep, I can totally see people being like, what? who's that?'" You know what I mean? And like walking back into the room. Yeah, so once the, other, there's certain layers that turn people's heads. They'll sort of be half paying attention. They're like, "Wait, what the hell did you just say? What's going on here?" You yeah. can tell it's a good <laughs> song for like, turning an audience to get their attention to what you're doing. You know? Yeah. It, up years for sure and I, I you know I, like i um i was in a, a few bands and like you know i i often wondered now that when you know god willing everything goes back to normal will people still engage in the same way you know what i mean like i hope that they take it more um they take it more not for granted and see if you can follow me on this like i imagine you guys have been in a room before where a band's playing their heart out and there's like a football game or a hockey game like above them on widescreen televisions and people are not paying attention to the band and they're paying, you know what I mean? Eating chicken yeah, wings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you have to understand that music is such a delicate thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I well, think I people, people miss will, Yeah, I hope people will be so starved that when it comes time where they can go out, they'll want to go out. So it won't be kind of, you know, that thing where like, well, I can go catch them next time, you know, like where they're, everyone's so lazy, doesn't want to go out because it's too late or whatever. So I'm, I'm hoping that that happens and people are, but who knows? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to playing for sure. And hopefully audiences will get, get into it more, but uh, people are weird, you know? Um, yeah, I know that. It's, it's actually okay to do weird. We're, we're recording this the day after the election. I'm going to be out in the, the days after, but I mean, like, talk about a weird day. I've been off all day, man. I've been up weird hours of the night, like, checking my phone, you know? It's so unhealthy, you know? I was so, too. I just want to say, like, you know, I'm not going to talk about politics on the show with you guys because it's nice to talk about music because music to me is more important than, you know, being, you know, we won't even get into it. Let's just put it that way. But um, once again, shout out to Hoover. We miss you. <laughs> um, yeah, that style of music, you know, I mean, like, it's got such roots in American culture. And, uh, you know, anywhere you go, it can make people turn their heads. Um, I have a friend, uh, I should really, I should link you guys up with this other band. Have you ever heard of a band called Gangster Grass? Nah. No. You guys would, no. You, if you guys did a double tour together. Are they from, are they from the area? They're from Philly? Yeah, they're from Philly. Like, you guys would be great together. Because that style of music, I've been to a couple festivals for, you know, Rockabilly, and it's it's great, man. I mean, like, if you're, you know, into that type of music, and you should be, uh, it, it really brings people together. So that's what I'm really trying to, I guess, gestate is that 
you guys more than anybody must miss it because your music had that vibe. You know, I could, I never saw your shows, but I could imagine they were, you know, very energetic. We got people up dancing for sure. Yeah. And one thing that's good about, about this style of music is that, you know, the, the, you'll go play somewhere and you'll play with a metal band. They'll dig it and their fans will dig it. You'll play the punk band and their fans, and they, they'll dig it. You can play with uh, all different styles because really what we're playing is sort of taking it back to the root of rock and roll. And so all those other genres that sort of sprouted off that, that original tree, uh, all their people can, can relate to what we're doing. Like, cause it's just, we're doing it like at, at space form, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? No, totally. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I hope that it makes a comeback, you know, and I hope that people really, you know, go out, go out and do it. I mean, like they that's, have that's $65 cool. like 15 minute test right now. Like what if there was like a thing where it was like for $75, you get the tests, right. And if you're good, you can go into the music festival. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, like the oh, fact thing could take a year or two they're, years. They're doing something like that in the, in the UK. I heard they got these new, um, like 30 minute, it takes like a 30 minute test. They're supposed to roll out. You can take it in 30 minutes. You know, if you're clear, really? and so you, you go to the venue, you can take the test. And if you're clear, everyone goes in and, and you're good. So, um, there's been talk about that. I mean, who knows? I, I think it'll, you know, it'll take some time, man. And we're kind of, I want to be patient and not rush anything as far as getting back to playing shows because a lot of these socially distant shows, they look, they're okay, but they don't look like they're having that much fun. I mean, I'm sure, and you know how it is to play in an empty room with people that are really far away and just kind of sitting down, not into it. It's sort of like a that bubble, you know what I mean? Where people are like, I'm scared to like walk yeah. into the band. It's like, it's like this magical, like unseen, like, you know, thing where people are like, I can't go there. But um Yeah. Yeah, I, I did a couple like online music festivals and like after three or four of them, I was like, I can't do this no more because whereas it was great to bring people together, it isn't the connection between a band and the audience. And that's like the main thing, you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't work without the other. Like no matter how much yeah. you practice a song, it's always going to be different in front of a live audience. You know what I mean? Like depending upon the mood, the setting, yeah. you're drinking, you know what I mean? Like anything. But even when you watch those, even if it's a full band playing together, they just there's no vibe. I've seen bands on those kind oh, yeah. of things trying to do like the onstage pair, it just falls flat, you know. But I, I've done a few of them acoustically, and it's you know they're all right. They're not much fun to do. It's very bizarre just to be performing in front of your phone and talking to people and you know trying to there's you trying to compensate for something that's not there, you know. Yeah, he's not there for sure. It's it's not it's a very weak substitute. So hopefully that'll make people miss going out to see shows more because they'll see it and say, you know, that's not the experience I'm used to. And they're not going to, they're not, I can't imagine anyone on either end getting that much from it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dallas, what was the last show you saw? Probably one of ours. Sometimes I'll, I'll go locally because where I am, I'm in Kensington. So sometimes I can swing by. There's so many venues that I might pedal by and hear something and go in. But that's really occasional. The last show that I went to, I'm trying to think, where I, I went there on purpose to see a specific band. Jeez, that goes back a bit. I do much more um, pedaling through the neighborhood, hear something, and just kind of stop. Where do you live? You live like near Kung Fu Necto? Necktie? Yeah, Kung, Kung Fu Necktie is in walking distance. Um, uh, what's the other one? 
right on your own. So there's a couple owns the fire I can walk to. Johnny Brenda's is that near you? That's the one I couldn't remember, Johnny Brenda's. So I'm pretty near those. And if I'm peddling around and I hear something um, under the L bar, sometimes we'll have shows there. It's just a little bar under the L, literally under the L bar. Um, but the last time I went on purpose to see a specific band, that's been a bit taking it for granted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Shame on you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just think of what kind of guitar you got in the back there. Oh, that's um, that's a Gretsch I bought off of Hoover when I joined the band because I was playing a Strat and I wasn't cutting it for rockabilly. Mm. So this is the tricked out custom pickguard. Wow, look at that. That is a beautiful. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, but that's um, it's doing the job. It's cool. I just put uh TV Jones pickups in it. Nice. They keep having. I guess, I guess they're having sales. I guess with the COVID, they're um, I guess their sales are down. So they're. I guess they keep going through like their back corners of the shop and finding blemished like pickup covers, and they're they're selling them at like sixty or forty percent off. Wow. So it's, it's they don't look any different. They're gonna get beat up anyway. So. I went to um, I went to Guitar Center today, and I hadn't been there in a while. And there's like a you know, you enter, and there's like a way they want you to walk, almost like a haunted house. And on the way out, I saw that they have this display where it says "Make us an offer." So they're putting out guitars, and they know what it's worth, but they're just taking people's offers and like their defects. And like I saw like this, I'm not really sure. I took a picture of it. It's a Flying V, like special, like type Jackson guitar, and like it's just make me an offer. I'm like five bucks he's like you gotta go you know what i mean but like the interesting, thing, interesting thing is that they actually will take an offer though if it, the guitar's worth 700 bucks and somebody's like i'll give you 400 they'll probably take it you know what i mean but not no five bucks but interesting things you know what i mean like they're still trying to stay afloat and the i had a conversation with some of the staffers and i'm like wow man it must be like kind of be like awesome to work here now because nobody's coming in and like playing guitar and like you know what i mean like playing yeah. with on 10 and like all like distorted and you know Stairway to heaven every day. Oh man, as a kid, I used to go in there and just be like, "Wow, this is so confusing." You know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that one, it, that, that one near us. Yeah, us is just like it used to be insane. Friday night was nuts in there. It was like a concert. Every amp was a different concert. Every amp, and everybody was everybody was playing their heart out as if it was their stage. You know what I mean? Like. I remember one night, this one guy, man, he must have been well into his like late fifties, early sixties, and he was just ripping into like his pedal and like just like looking around the room, like yeah, you like it, and I was just like, oh my god, dude, you gotta get out of here. What's going on? You know? I hate it, man. I hate Guitar Center when it's like that. I, oh, I, yeah. I hate it going. I had some negative experiences guitar. too. They're not sponsors here on the show, so I'm just gonna talk shit. Yeah, I mean, like some of the employees there, I'm like, dude, I know it sucks, but like. You gotta treat me like this, you know what I mean? Like I'm just getting some bass strings. Like, what do you want me? You know, what do you want me to do here? You know what I mean? I've asked everybody. Well, I didn't really necessarily talk about the jackets back there, but I did identify them. So we'll go back to Joe real quick. Joe, all those books back there. Um, which one's your favorite? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I haven't read any of these, man. 
Honest answer I've ever gotten to on the podcast. I could end the show from now on. They just quit. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a great answer. No, I imagine you have. Or you've perused them. Because they do look like some books, like the Iggy Pop one would be a book you would peruse. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, music ones. This one's always good. If you never read this one, Please Kill Me. It's an oh. oral history of punk rock by Legs McNeil. That's a classic. This is like all the remote section of books over here. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of music books. Um, I just finished reading a good biography on Otis Redding. It was excellent. And uh, one on Johnny Cash is up there by Robert Hilburn. Um, yeah, these are all music books, man. I read a lot of music biographies. Yeah, so so I really love uh, music biographies. I've got my bookshelf over here, so I can't really like flaunt it for you guys. But I mean, yeah, I've I've read uh, that Sex Pistols book you got behind you. I love the Sex Pistols. Very yeah, yeah. Leiden, yeah. Uh, Rotten Bio. I was really influenced by punk rock growing up in the '90s, and like I remember, like you know, Nirvana came out what 1991, and like uh, the Sex Pistols, I believe, was 1976. And I remember as a kid thinking, like, man, that's a world away. And now I'm like older. I'm like, that was just like right around the corner. Right, I just yeah. missed that. You know what I mean? Like. And I was always fascinated that the Sex Pistols made such a mark and they only had one album. I think that's just yeah. such a brilliant thing. You know, it's just like one and done. You know what I mean? One and done. Just go out and implode and then, you know, that's it. I've it been works. in um, some bands and some bands get, like, my, I personally believe in hit them hard, hit them fast. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to play a really super long set to get your point across. You could get it across with eight to ten songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of bands make that mistake of being like, we're going to play for an hour, we're going to play for, you know, whatever, 90 minutes. It, not everyone can do that, you know what I mean? Not everyone's like a Springsteen who has that catalog where they can, like, pull off a three-hour set. Most bands, you should keep it to what we used to call a sitcom length. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 30 minutes, hit them, boom, don't even let them get bored. Waste no time between songs, just boom, boom. Six, seven, eight songs, be done, be off there, leave them wanting a little bit more, you know? But, Trying to fill up a whole night worth of music if you're an original band is, you know, is, is difficult. It's almost impossible if people don't know the songs. They won't even listen. Yeah, I feel you on that one. And another um, side note, um, man, one of the greatest regrets of my life, maybe 1995, the Ramones are playing at the electric factory down in Philadelphia and there's a snowstorm and they like shut down 76. I couldn't get there. Uh, I and like, you know, it was just like, damn it, dude, it was never meant to be. You know what I mean? Like, but Yeah, I could tell you lots of good Ramon stories. I've seen him like, I saw him three yeah. times. How many times did you see him, Dad? I saw him like three, I think. I think I tapped out at about somewhere between 12 and 15. Not because I didn't enjoy them, but because it was getting near the end of things and it was kind of formulaic. Yeah. You can tell by by the songs, okay, they're at this mark. They're about to quit. It was almost so formulaic. It was, I didn't go anymore. But they're still, they're still my favorite band of all time. I've been to like a show before where like, you know, bands do the same set list. And I just can't imagine, like if you're in like a really, really big band, you know what I mean? You've got the budget to do shit, you know what I mean? Why would you want to go out and play the same set every night? You know what I mean? Like blows me away like why why i get it because you're sinking lights and stuff like that but what, i wouldn't want everyone to go in that direction because i would want it to be fresh each night and um i mean i love making set lists man it's like one of my favorite yeah. things in the world to do i think the, the set list whoever in the band makes the set list is like the 
you know, the guys coming down off the mountain with the tablets. We're like, yo, we're going to do this. You know what I mean? Like, who makes the set list in your band? Joe usually comes off, at the, with the, off the top of his head, right? Well, yeah. I don't write it down, but I've got, like, sort of a formula in my head, and I sort of know how it's going to go. So I don't write it down, but then that gives me some room to sort of adjust as how things are going because it, it helps sometimes if you can sort of judge the crowd and sort of uh, – yeah, you know, just to see what what they're feeling like. Are they? It's a kind of a slower night. They want some of the more fast and upbeat dancing. So it, it gives you a little bit more, um, you know, flexibility. Yeah, I know what you mean by that, and it's good to be flexible. Yeah, keep the band on its toes too. You know, keep the guys on on their toes. They don't know what's going to come next. You know. Yeah. Wanna... I you know um, we just got the war warning from uh, the Zoom Kingdom that uh, I've got what a few minutes left on this podcast, but. I, I feel like uh, you guys totally get it. I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, coming to see you guys live. Do you have anything in the books in 2021 or anything like that coming up? Not yet. But we've been, I've been talking to people about it, and hopefully we'll get something set up. I mean, we'd like, I'd like to do as many shows next year as we can. I'd love us to get overseas if it's possible, and I'd love us to go across the country to certain spots where we can work it out. And There's been some interest here and there, but uh, nothing nailed down yet. So we'll see, but we're, we want to play Philly. We're still going to do a CD or an album release party at some point. I'm thinking maybe in July of next year on the one year anniversary of the album coming out, maybe we'll do a CD, you know, an album release party. Um, just sort of mark the occasion since we didn't get one this year. But um, no, we have to figure it out. We still need practice in a while. So. Yeah, when, when, when did this album actually come out? I know it says 2020 on Spotify, but. Uh... July 31st was the official release date, July 31st. Well, congratulations on that because, you know, I know it takes a lot of work. You guys recorded here in Philly. I believe you recorded uh, Cambridge Studios, right? Uh, Minor Street. The first EP Minor was Street. done in Cambridge. This okay. was done in Minor Street. Yeah, with Brian McTeer. That's what's up. I love the recording process. Um, something about that to me. Well, it's, it's funny. We, we did it different than most albums. We, uh, we went in over, over four or five weekends, and we were just going each weekend and do two songs at a time. Recording. Record and mix. So we would just get done in the weekend. We like, okay, we got two songs. We did that for five weekends, so we had it done. And then went back later and made some minor adjustments, but everything was pretty much, you know, just get up there, get set up in the room, mic everything, play live, come in the next day, do vocals, and mix it. It was a really, really easy and enjoyable process. It, it stopped things from getting too stagnant and boring. Oh, wow. You're not spending, like, hours and hours doing guitar tracks all day while everyone's waiting around. You know what I mean? Totally. It was it was a great way to do it, I think. Oh, you know what? This is a, this question. That was a great way to do it. That was it's always a good way to do it that way. Uh, this question just came to me, and like I think it's interesting because it's like not a question I think that gets out there a lot, but I mean like the name of the album is off a track. Was that the intention, or did the song was the song so good that you needed to name the album that is my question, I guess. You know what it, to be honest with you, completely, I went through a couple of different names, but then I had the idea for the album cover with the angel on it, with holding the whiskey and everything. And I thought, well, that's, that's going to be great on an album cover. Let's just call the album that. So it was just sort of like this, this kind of the way it worked out. I thought it was a good title and uh, it was a good song and it was going to be one of the singles from the record. And um, I had the, the image imagery for it, so we sort of just went followed that. That's how it came about. Yeah, I mean, that's um, always, like, something when you're trying to name an album, you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing to think, like, uh, I think, it, what was Pearl? I remember the first time I recalled this was when Pearl Jam released, I think, Versus. 
but it wasn't called versus at first. Does anybody else recall this? My assistant's yeah. out because it's just a VS, right? It was just like the, uh, the VS, like that. you know what I mean? But like, yeah, bands like that. You know what? I just uh, checked out for the first time, just because I've been, you know, having a little bit more time on my hands. Is the Beastie Boys documentary? Have you guys seen that? The Beastie I Boys story. So that is really interesting. Uh, highly no. recommend to the podcast listeners out there because it goes into detail about like you know how Rick Rubin became Rick Rubin, how he became a producer, and like you know what life was like back in the early '80s. You know, uh, New York City recording. You know, and like just like you imagine like being able to be back during that time when the record industry was like a tidal wave, like going over department stores everywhere. You know, people just buying CDs left and right. I always, uh, you know, give props to musicians because it's a very difficult uh, time to be a, a musician. You know, you submit your stuff to Spotify, you get 10,000 plays on it, and Spotify is like, yeah, here you go. You know, it's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not a fair process, and I hope that, you know, when music does make a return, people become more generous towards musicians and start to have more compassion for them. You know what I mean? And, like, your, you know, album is uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend people... Check it out. I'll put some links down below. Um, Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, and also too, like before we go, uh, it's great that you uh, you picked up Stengel there because he's a good kid. You know what I mean? He's a good kid. It was kind of it was definitely lucky find. You don't usually find people like that. Or, You're uh, in your thirties now, right, Mike? I mean, how old are you? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Twenty-eight. Okay. <laughs> he's the baby of the band. He's I'm forty. So so it's just such a crazy difference. Like it was only just a few years. Like when I was like, I think I was like 25, like when I was your teacher. But uh, yeah, yeah like, like I said though, man, like you guys are very talented. Your mom was always very nice to me. She's also a teacher at the school that I worked at. And uh, you know, I always thought you guys were going to do something. And uh, when you got in touch with me and sent this, uh, this music, I was uh, totally stoked because it's, it's different. And um, I think it comes through and what Joe was saying earlier about how, um, you know, you take that rockabilly music, but you're mixing it with that pop style that people, you know, they flock to. So I really hope it works out for you guys. Once Thank everything you. back to life and, you know. What's that, Dallas? It's been working out really well so far, surprisingly. I mean, just mm -hmm. like no effort. That's bad to say. Whoops, edit. edit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, been, it's been easy. Everything so far is like everyone gets along really well and you know, things are gelling. So it just, something's working. That's right. You, got, you know what, you guys, you know what, that's crazy because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, like in hindsight now, I know that I got the facts wrong because right at the top of my notes there, it says you guys started what, in 2018? Yeah. So listen, so that's really impressive because I mean, it shows in the audio recording, the maturity of a band that's been around for a while. I mean, I, I imagined, um, you know, a lot has that to do with like the song craft that, uh, Joe, you've been crafting for a while, so congratulations on that. It really comes through and different, you know what I mean? So pick it up. I really like the title track, too. You know what I mean? I listened to it three times today. I was like, all right, I'm going to get in the mood for the show. <laughs> Thank and, you, man. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, I'm sorry we had to do this in person, not, not in person, the place that uh, I usually record at. We had a we had a water heater explosion in the, in the basement, and things aren't too good there right now. But we're getting there, you know what I mean? We're being well, look, hopefully we'll uh, we'll play a show somewhere and you can buy us a drink. So, uh, well, you know what? If we do get back to life, <laughs> I will fully have you guys. Uh, I do this rooftop concert in Plymouth Meeting, uh, top of the world, I call it. I did it seven times before the world closed. Um, it's a rooftop show with three stages and like there's no turnover time. Bands just keep playing. Kind oh, of nice. like 
Holland, you know, so I think that you guys would be great. Uh, maybe we even we'll get you up there for two sets so you can come back and play that June song that I like so much. <laughs> we could do that for you, man. We'd love it. We appreciate right, cool. you. Thank you I appreciate so you guys, all right? Man, My name's Bob, it. and this has been another episode of Bobcast.